At Alina Health, we care about your health and wellness. Learn how Alina Health provides care that can benefit you in this edition of The Wellcast. Now here's your host, Melanie Cole. Obsessive-compulsive disorder, formerly considered a type of anxiety disorder, is now regarded as a unique condition. How can you tell if OCD tendencies are symptoms that require professional help? My guest today is Dr. Mark Mooney. He's a clinical psychologist with specialties in anxiety disorder and obsessive-compulsive disorder at Alina Health Mental Health, Abbott Northwestern Clinic. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mooney. So first tell us, people have heard OCDs, they think hand-washing, what really are obsessive-compulsive disorders? They are disorders that involve both uh, problems with thinking and then also with behaviors that are interruptive or troublesome. So what are some symptoms that, well, first of all, let's ask you who's at risk for these. Are there, is there a genetic component? There is a genetic component to these. It does tend to run in families. Okay, so if it runs in families, you know that this is something that you might have a tendency toward. What do you look for? Well, interestingly, you would look more for the compulsions than the obsessions because the obsessions are thoughts. We can't see them. The compulsions are ritualized, repetitive behaviors that can be things like hand-washing, checking, or cleaning. So compulsions and ritualized, so the difference between those, because we all have crazy, not crazy, but wild thoughts sometimes. It's whether we act on them, correct? Or how does that work? Well, so um, we we all can be uh, compulsive and we all can have obsessions at times. Um, the distinction between sort of typical stuff that most people have in OCD is uh, really the amount of time that is spent obsessing and compulsing, um, more than one hour a day. So that's the, the sort of starting point, is more than one hour a day. And what if that is sort of a broken up, and some people have these thoughts scattered throughout the day? Well, it's kind of, it's it's not so, it's it's in its totality. If If you're spending five minutes here and ten minutes there, if it adds up to an hour or more a day, then that's one rule of thumb for deciding whether a person needs therapy and medication. So are there certain environmental factors that can also contribute? Well, certainly stress and pressure will make um, a person more obsessive and more compulsive. And this is true for normal people also. So when would they start to notice? I mean, is this something that you would start in childhood and takes you through, or does it typically start in the teen years or even later? It can definitely start in childhood, um, and it's the, the nature of what people obsess about, the bad thoughts that they have differs, I think, with age a little bit, but it certainly can, can start in children as young as five. So what's a parent to look for? Because some kids just want to have clean hands, and they're told at school so many times to wash their hands, so maybe they overdo it a little bit at the beginning. How long does it go on before then you you say, okay, this is definitely something that requires professional help? I think when it it reaches a point where it's it's interfering with a child's routines and behavior, where they're late for the school bus, or... Uh, they're not going to recess because they're washing their hands, or they're not going out to play sports with others because they're avoiding things that 
say they might think are contaminated, that would be a point where an evaluation would be warranted. Will it go away by itself, or does it really need treatment? It really needs treatment. What's treatment involve? Treatment involves uh, one of two approaches. Um, there are classes of medications that can help ma- make people have less obsessions. And then in terms of psychological treatment, there is what's called cognitive behavioral therapy, which involves finding those things that make an obsessive-compulsive person anxious and having them systematically expose themselves to those things until their anxiety goes down. So are there certain exercises, per se, that you recommend to your patients that they can do at home? And if people are starting to have some of these obsessive thoughts, is there some way that you tell them that they can sort of do cognitive behavioral therapy on themselves on the off days that they're not seeing you? In fact, I do. And really, the majority of the effective treatment that happens in psychotherapy for OCD are the exercises or the exposures that patients do when they're not in the clinic. So give us an example of what well, you tell people to do. And an example might be that a person has a fear of contamination. Let's say they're afraid of germs. I might have them uh, go to a public place and uh, touch some, some door handles or knobs and then sit and not wash their hands for an hour. So in other words, it's a restraint from that feeling. How difficult is that for people? It can be very difficult. Um, on, on the plus side, though, it's extremely effective. When I can get people to do exposures to the things that make them anxious, that make them obsessed, whether it's, um, it's disorder or, or, or cluttered things or if, if it's contamination, they can enjoy a great deal of symptomatic relief in just a matter of two or three months. And is this something that by doing these things and using restraint and training their brain, as it were, and through cognitive behavioral therapy that you can overcome? Or is it something you will be working on the rest of your life? I think that if a person can do a good course of cognitive behavioral therapy for one type of obsession, say it's contamination, that they will learn skills to help prevent them from developing an obsession in another area. And what are the medications intended to do? The medications uh, simply reduce the intensity and the frequency of obsession. And how do they do that? Is this a hormonal thing acting on brain hormones, or what, what does that do? They, 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 they achieve this effect primarily through um, increasing levels of serotonin in the brain, which tends to make people less impulsive and more planful. It makes it easier for them to tolerate distress. So, that, I mean, that's kind of where I was getting is the serotonin reuptake inhibitors that, that someone might take. And there are certain other therapies that can help increase serotonin levels like exercise. Do you recommend any of those to kind of help as an adjunct? I, I definitely recommend exercise. Um, meditation practices are also helpful. Anything that decreases the level of stress is going to decrease the frequency of symptoms of OCD. Are there certain movements, repetitions that people can do that don't necessarily say, yes, they're an OCD? This is very true. There, there are many people who have very orderly routines and patterns of behavior that are not compulsive, 
and they're, they're normal and healthy. So you can be a very organized person and still not be considered OCD. Very true. And now tell us about your group at Alina Health Mental Health. Our group is, is an outpatient group that meets weekly, and the people who come to the group are adults who have obsessive-compulsive disorder and are, are looking to work on their problems in a group setting. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Mooney, about OCDs, what you tell people every day about these, because this is such a huge problem. Millions of people suffer from them, and some people it really, really affects their everyday quality of life. What do you tell people every day about ways to manage them? I, I tell them that even though it's a very confusing and disturbing problem to have, that they can get better with treatment, and most people will, and that it's possible with a relatively limited amount of effort and time and treatment and with medication that they can live almost symptom-free lives. Wow, that's great advice and very hopeful for people suffering with OCDs. Thank you so much for being with us. And for more information on Alina Health's mental health at Abbott Northwestern Clinic, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And this is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.